Good morning and grace and peace to you. Do remember the Loop Festival? Pray about that. If you find your way to help out in any way. Again, this is one of our better opportunities to interact with the community, make friends, pass out Bibles, and just be there as the light and the salt. Paul said to the Ephesian elders he had not shunned to declare to them the whole counsel of God. And uh, we talked about that from time to time. Sometimes you've got to talk about the rough stuff, the sin and the need to repent and so forth. But that's not this morning. Today is the good stuff. The unsearchable or unfathomable, I can't hardly say that word, riches of Christ. That's from the New American Standard. Your New King James probably has unsearchable riches of Christ. Ephesians 3.8 To me, the very least of all saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. Last week we had the lesson, Are You Rich? And this is kind of a follow-on to it. And we talked in that lesson about how sad it is and what an awful thing and a misguided thing it is to measure a person by the money they have, how much wealth they have, and that God never does such a thing. That is never God's measure of a person. But God has given to us incredible riches. And I think, you know, I'm guilty of this too. We get so caught up in the world that we do not, first of all, know what they are and we don't appreciate them. And this is kind of what Paul is trying to, to drive home here in Ephesians and, of course, other places as well. That when we hear these things, that we sit, ought to sit with our mouths just gaping open, you know, wide enough and long enough to catch flies. We really should to really grasp what God has for those who are his people. What are the true riches? As we read through this, we're going, we want to understand that this is God's value system. Okay? These are the things that God says are valuable and important and the things you ought to wrap your head around and your hands around and the things you want to move for in life. This ought to be your aim, not these other wealth, this other wealth of the world, the mammon and the money and all that stuff. That is not the true riches. Each one of us needs to ask ourselves the question, are we on the same page as God? Are we using the same currency? You know, this measurement here by God of these unfathomable riches is a measurement, it's a currency, whatever you want to say, of something that will never fluctuate. You know, from time to time we read about the dollar, okay? The dollar out in the world market is going up, it's going down, doesn't buy as much. 
or if you have a 401k or a stock or anything like that, you know, the market goes up, but guess what? The market goes down, doesn't it? And one day your 401k looks pretty good, and then a week later it doesn't look so good, like you're going to have to go back to work and become a greeter at Walmart. So, but with God's riches, it doesn't fluctuate, doesn't change. It's always the same. These are the true riches, the real riches, what you really want to set your mind and heart on and go for. So we want to look at some of these unfathomable or unsearchable riches of Christ. And when I say this, understand this. You know, God blesses everybody, all right? We think of such things as family, a wonderful and great blessing, husbands and wives, children, good health, food on our table, jobs, freedom, and even in this country, a blessing from God. We think of the creation, how we can enjoy that. Shirley and I were out yesterday planting flowers, seeing the glory of God. You, those of you who like to do mountain climbing, whitewater rafting, hiking, fishing, enjoying the wonders of nature, that's all gifts that God gives to everybody. Those are all gifts to everybody. He makes his, sends his rain on the just and the unjust, right? What we're talking about this morning is only for those in Christ. Real, special riches. If you're not in Christ, you do not have these. That's just the way it is. So God is generous. God is gracious to all people. But for his people, he's really got something good waiting. Ephesians 1.3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He's writing to the church. He's talking about Christians, those in the body of Christ. Every spiritual blessing having to do with the soul, the spirit, and things eternal and things that will go on into the next life. This is, as we've tried to emphasize from time to time, the Lord's greatest concern for every person on the earth. Yeah, he, he wants you to have good health. Yeah, he wants to put food on your table. Yes, yes, yes. But his real concern is the salvation of the soul and where you will spend eternity. That is his greatest concern and the witness his greatest love, the gift of his son in order to accomplish that, to give you life eternal. The knowledge of these blesses the whole person. If you have these, it just should make you joyful. You should be skipping down the street. You should have a smile on your face. You have a sure hope and a future. And you are one of God's chosen. That's not arrogance. That's fact. God tells us that. It's in the heavenly places. It's their origin from God. It's their repository. They cannot be taken from you as long as you're in Christ. God secures them. Got them under lock and key, however you want to look at it, and nobody 
can take them out of God's hand. When I was reading about this, I was thinking about Jacob's ladder. We don't, I don't know if we use that story much anymore. Remember Jacob? He's on his way, he was running from his dad after he had deceived him and going back to uh, Laban's place. And uh, camped out in that one place, had the rock, the pillow, or his, his pillow was a rock. And he had the dream of the ladder with the angels coming up and down and up and down. And that's what I'm, that's made me think of that. You know, that that's re- very real. There are angels. They're operating all the time. There's probably angels in this room right now. And, you know, just understanding that our riches come from heaven. That's the reality. Part, part of this whole lesson is just understanding reality. What is real? Sure, this is real right here, but there's another reality that is actually more real. Because this is all temporary, isn't it? This is all temporary. But the other reality is permanent. These are found in Christ, as it says. In Christ Jesus. Nowhere else. Okay? The atheist does not have these. The Muslim does not have these. All right? The unrepentant sinner does not have these. These are in Christ. The question again, are you in Christ? How do you get in Christ? Faith, repentance, being baptized, coming under the blood of Christ. That's the basics. That's the basics. And then serving faithfully. So this is where these blessings are. These riches are. Verse 4. Just as he chose us in him, meaning in Christ. You'll you'll notice all through there. In him, in Christ, in him, in Christ. That's where these are. It's part of the emphasis. Before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. I'm using the New American Standard here. I know that other translations divide this a little bit differently, so just bear with me. Before the foundation of the world, this was God's purpose. It was not an afterthought. These are the things that God ultimately wanted for his creation, humanity. These things. Sure, like we said, food, wonderful creation, and so forth. But these are the things before the foundation of the world he wanted, and he chose us that this would be our lot. Holy and blameless. Holy, separated to God for his purposes, to serve him, to bring him in glory. God made us with freedom of choice. And sometimes you hear people say, you know, when they mess up and make a mistake or whatever, say, I'm just human, right? You ever say that? I'm the only human. And we understand what people are saying when they say that, that we're not divine and we make mistakes and we do sin. But God did not make us to sin. He made us in his image to be like him, 
and to act like him. And in Christ, we are seen as holy. We are separated from the world to be different from the world and to serve the Lord God. And because of the blood of Christ, as Don was talking about at the table, we are seen as blameless. Even though we have sin. That's an incredible blessing. We're free from guilt before God and free from sin. Blameless. Wow. This is what God has wanted for mankind from the beginning. Five and six. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. I left out in love from verse 4, which in the New American Standard goes with 5. In love he predestined us. In focusing here on the adoption of sons, this is not just religious speak. All right, some little fantasy thing that people might say about your religion. Again, this is reality. You're in Christ. You're adopted as a son of God. You know, these are the kinds of things, as I've said and encouraged so often, we need to meditate on and reflect on and ask questions about what does that mean? What does that encompass? What does that mean to me? What does that mean about the future? What does that mean now? You're a son of God. He adopted you into his family in Christ. Christ being our elder brother. That's an incredible blessing. It's a privilege. There is protection there from God. You have access to the Father. Is that a wow? Is that an amen? Is that hallelujah? You have access to the Father. The atheist out here does not. He is not an adopted son of God. He has no future. Think about it. In Christ, Christ made it possible. And you responded to that gospel, that love, that cry from the cross. I want to serve you, Lord. I want to give you my life. Lord, bless me. Help me to be pleasing to you today. Unfathomable riches. Seven and eight. In him, there's that thought, in him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us. Redemption. We're all under the power of Satan, held in his grasp. 
We were purchased by the blood of Christ. The precious blood, as Peter writes. The blood of the Lamb. A Lamb without spot and blemish. God was willing to do this. God, the Word of God, John 1, was willing to leave heaven and become one of us to accomplish this. He was willing to endure the cross to accomplish this. He gave up so much to accomplish this because he loves us. Forgiveness of trespasses. I've noted this before. I just wrote an article about it. Do we talk about sins and trespasses anymore? Does anybody sin anymore? What are your sins? 1 John 1 says, if we say we don't have any sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Do you confess your sins regularly to God? Do you know what they are? Are you digging into the scripture to compare yourself to Christ Jesus and his word? I know in here we're not murderers and rapists and thieves and so forth. But that does not leave us sinless. Forgiveness of sin. You know, Jesus told the parable about, you know, those who sinned a lot, they would love a lot when they were forgiven, but those who didn't, sin very much or thought they didn't, they would not appreciate forgiveness. It's good to come face to face with your sin and confess it. Then you really appreciate what Jesus did for you. You really do. And you see how ugly you've been, what nasty things you've said, the thoughts you've had, the things you've failed to do that you know you should do regarding your wife, your husband, your children, your neighbor, or whatever. When you look in the Word and see the, the beautiful life of Jesus and see how far you fall short. Wow. Forgiveness of sin. What a blessing. Without the forgiveness of sin, there is no reconciliation with God, and guess what? None of this happens. None of it happens. Unless our sin is forgiven. And sin isn't forgiven unless it's repented of, confessed, and brought back under the blood of Christ. I know this is good stuff. I was, didn't want to dwell on sin, but it's part of it. You see, it's part of the good news. It's part of the unfathomable riches that we are forgiven in Christ and only in Christ. 9 to 12. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him, 
with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Two thoughts here. With his wisdom and so forth, he has made known to us in Christ, through Christ, through his word as we understand it, the mystery of his will. We understand what life is about. Only this book tells us what life is about from beginning to end. Those who are in Christ who study the word, ask for wisdom, filled with the spirit of God, can really grasp these things. What our purpose is, where it all goes, what will happen to the unbeliever, and what will happen to those who serve the Lord. And notice he says part of that is the summing up of all things in Christ. It's all about him. Man and God, creator, John 1 again, bringing it all together in him, the kingdom. He's ruling in it now. Summing everything up in him. We understand that. So we understand the importance of being in Christ, of glorifying Christ, of serving Christ, of proclaiming the gospel of Christ. It's all about Christ. That's where we're going. And we're going to spend eternity, guess what, with him, with Christ Jesus. That's one of the great blessings of eternal life. To be with him. We also read there in 11, we've obtained an inheritance. As sons, okay, as adopted sons, we get an inheritance. This is reality. This is your future. This is not just fantasies, religious words. You have a part in the afterlife, the life to come, after the judgment, you receive an inheritance. This is because of Christ. We, we sing, well, Jimmy just sang, you know, a mansion over the hilltop. You know, that's from John 14. I go to prepare a place for you. Some of us see it that way. Paul talked about a crown of glory, a crown of righteousness, and a crown of life he was going to receive. The different ways the scriptures depict life eternal. But it's real. This is not a few hundred bucks, an old house, and some picture albums. Okay? That's not your inheritance. In the new heavens and new earth. I don't know exactly what it will be, but I'll tell you what. It's true riches and it's a gift from God. And it's unfathomable. You'll never have anything so valuable in your life. So good, so wonderful, so exciting as what God is going to give you in eternity. You won't. Paul says it's unsearchable riches. 
of Christ. And he's trying to tell us some of them. These are not all of them. 13. In him. Wow. Paul, you're trying to tell us something. You also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. For too many Christians, the Holy Spirit is nothing but a nebulous idea and some word printed on a page. You don't understand him, you don't appreciate him, you don't listen to him, you don't follow him and let him instruct you and guide you in life. Some people, some Christians are even afraid of him, afraid to mention the Holy Spirit. This is God himself living in you, the Christian. And it's designed to be a great blessing. A great blessing. A comfort, a helper, a teacher, and a guide into the ways of God. What a gift. We have that now. Fifteen. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling? What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Paul's prayer here is not only for them but for us, and this is a prayer that we need to pray, to have that spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Only Christians can have that. So that we can know God and know Christ Jesus, his son, John 17. That we can be one with God and Christ Jesus, John 17. Unity. We can understand his word. We can be assured of our hope. We can know and fathom and appreciate the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, which we were trying to do in this lesson. And we can know, as John writes in 1 John 5, and I believe it's 13, we can know that we have eternal life. Speaking to someone just this past week, and you, everybody talks about the old, how are you doing today? Well, I'm upright, right? I'm still breathing air. And I said, well, you know, sometimes it's not so bad if you're the other way. If you're in Christ. And the response was, yeah, but that's just a hope. Hello? John writes, so you can know. Do you know? Or you just have a little nebulous maybe. Maybe. 
serious thought. What's he say here? Spirit of wisdom, revelation, in the knowledge of him. Do you know? Do you know him? Do you know Christ? You're walking with him? You know you have life eternal? That's why these things are written. It's a blessing. In Christ, you can know these things. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry about the future. Your hope is real. It's in Christ. It's not a wishful thinking. It's something that's guaranteed. 19 to 21 as we wrap up. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Surpassing greatness of his power toward us. Now there's two things to consider here. First of all, Let's look at 21. This is where Christ is. This is where our hope is. He is far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion in every name that is named. You know, sometimes we see the news, read the newspaper, look on the Internet, and why we get all worried and nervous, right? Christ Jesus is far above every power, dominion, every name. Any big name out there, Christ is far above that person, far above that government, far above that army, that navy, that legislature, that president, premier, prime minister, whoever it is. He's far above. That's our hope. He's ruling now. He's ruler of the kings of the earth. The power, that's one aspect of his authority. But we have the working of his family in 19, his power toward us who believe. The working of the strength of his might which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. We have access to that power in Christ. That power through prayer, through the Spirit of God. Power to overcome Satan, power to resist temptation, power to fight the fight of faith, to bear the fruit of the Spirit, to live righteously, to speak the gospel, to do whatever it is that God wants you to do. You have the power to do it. And don't say you don't. You have the power to do what God wants you to do. I have a little saying written in the one book of mine I keep the sayings in. And I love this one. I just got it recently, but I love it. It's one of my favorites. And it goes like this. Don't be afraid to do what you are afraid to do. It's true. 
in Christ. Don't be afraid to do what you're afraid to do. You have the power. God will enable you. There are more. Some of the unfathomable riches of Christ. And as we wrap it up, we ask the question again, are we on the same page with God? Is this our currency? Is this our value system? Are these the things we want most in life and see that they are worth more than anything we have here? Unsearchable riches of Christ. I encourage you, read about them, learn them, reflect on them, value them, tell them to others, and rejoice in the God who gives them to you. Because, guess what? These are the only things that you will find on the other side. Right? These are the only things you will find on the other side. If you don't want them, Guess what? You probably won't get them. What was that one passage we had last time about? It's out of Luke. If you're not faithful in the things of this life, who will give to you the true riches? Remember that one? The true riches. That's what we're talking about today. The true riches. Do you have them? Are you in Christ? You're not in Christ. These are not yours. I'm not trying to be nasty or mean. That's just the plain truth of God. These are all designed from the foundation of the world to be in Christ for those who love him and serve him. You can be in Christ today. We can assist you in your obedience to the gospel if you are so desire. If you're a Christian, you've been living with the wrong value system. You've been favoring and loving the things of the world. And you're not focused on the true riches and what God has for you. You really need to change your thinking and your focus and probably the way you live your life. We can pray with you about that if that be your desire. However, we might assist you this morning. Please come while we stand and sing.